Here is your Radio Theater Channel weekly podcast for download. The RTC still has the very best old-time radio on the live streaming. And if it's music you love, tune in to the RTC Music Channel, where this link and many others are on our website at oldtimeradiolisten.com. Now, here's Jim. Hey, thanks everybody for joining us today on the RTC Weekly Download. I'm Jim Dolan. Well, it's Kids Day here on the uh, podcast, and we're going to have uh, quite a few kids shows for you. If you're old enough to remember these, my gosh, you're old. (laughs) Sorry I couldn't resist that. But thankfully, there are recordings, so we can all enjoy the programs today. We're going to start off with an episode of Little Orphan Annie. And Daddy Warbucks, here's Radio Signals. This is from 1939. And coming up after this, it's Dick Tracy, so stay tuned. The little chatterbox, the one with pretty auburn locks. Whom do you see? It's little orphan Annie. She and Sandy make a pair, they never seem to have a care. Cute little she, this little orphan Annie. Bright eyes, cheeks of rosy glow. There's a store of healthiness handy. Might size always on the go. If you want to know, our says Sandy always wears a sunny smile. Now wouldn't it be worth the while if you could be like little orphan Annie? Here we are, around orphan Annie time again. But before we join Annie, I have a mighty good tip I want to pass along to you. When you come home from school on hot days, all tired and dragged out, here's one sure way to get cooled off and full of pep and go again. Make yourself a big, delicious, ice-cold Ovaltine shake-up. Yes, sir. As soon as you come home from school every afternoon, just take out your Orphan Annie shake-up mug or an ordinary plain glass mason jar, put in fresh milk, then some cracked ice. Then, add plenty of swell new chocolate-flavored Ovaltine. Now, that's all you put in. Then shake it up for all you're worth. The more you shake it, the creamier and richer and colder it gets. And boy, oh boy, when you pour it out, it's so frosty and delicious with all those big, sweet, chocolatey bubbles foaming and bursting on top, you'll just want to drink about a barrel full. But that's only half the story. Remember, besides tasting like a million, Ovaltine shake-ups are just grand to help pep you up and take away that tired and dragged-out feeling. Now, that's because all those special things in chocolate-flavored Ovaltine help to build up pep and energy quickly, the kind of pep you need to be right up on your toes and feeling tip-top for all the games you play. And so, if you don't have chocolate-flavored Ovaltine at home now, ask your mother to get you a can at her grocery or drugstore right away, so you'll be all set to make those swell-tasting shake-ups that are so good for you every single afternoon when you come home from school. But now, tonight's Thursday night and club night again for all you members of Annie's Secret Society. And right after tonight's adventure is over, we're going to broadcast an important secret message in Annie's Mystery Radio Code. So keep listening. And now, getting back to Annie. Last time, Saunders, who seems to know jewelry, pronounced the glittering stones on Annie and Joe's feather cloaks to be genuine diamonds. But vast riches mean nothing on that lost island. Here it is, several days later now, our friends have finished their radio transmission set, and for three days, Mr. Wilcox, Annie, and Joe have been operating it 
hoping against hope that it's sending feeble signals to the outside world. But here they are in their palm house, and Joe is operating the set. Listen. Am I doing this right, bud? Perfectly, Joe. Two revolutions of the wheel every 15 seconds. It's a good thing we got Mr. Silo's watch back from Saunders. We can send out these signals on exact time. Yeah, I'm keeping my eye on the second hand of the watch right now. <laughs> Saunders surely had a depart with that watch, didn't he? <laughs> I'll say he did. But he's more excited about the diamonds now than about gold. There. Shucks, do you suppose there really are diamonds on this island, bud? Don't know, Joe. Because I wouldn't trust Saunders as far as I could throw a grand pit. But the man seems to know something about diamonds. I'll say. He admitted he dealt in stolen and smuggled ones all over the world. Yes, he knows something about them, all right. But before I went head over heels on these, I'd have the opinion of a good jeweler or chemist. Leaping lizards, what difference does it make anyhow? We can't use the diamonds. Not here, Annie, not in a thousand years. If we could live that long on this island... As Binnacle Bob said, a loaf of bread would be of more use to us. But just the same, if these stones that the natives wear so freely in their ears and hair are diamonds... You getting excited about them too, Mr. Wilcox? Yes, Annie, I'm afraid I am. <laughs> There's probably a little bit of the Saunders in all of us. <laughs> I can't help thinking... Well, I'm a young man. If we ever are rescued from this island, well, it would be mighty nice to be able to go back to my England rich... Oh, there I go. Like Saunders, dreaming dreams of riches back in civilization. Sorry, it won't happen again. It's all right, bud. But, leaping lizards, do you suppose this set is going to do anything for us? Here we've been working it for three days now. Do you suppose any sound we're sending is getting anywhere? I hope so, Annie. But I can't guarantee it. After all, I've only done the best I could. With more things and material to work with, I think I might have made a transmission set that we could speak over, or at least one on which we could send Morse code, an actual signals and telegraph. As it is, this will have to do, for it's the best I can do. The watch, Joe? Shush, yeah. Turning that crank and wheel, Mr. Wilcox, like Joe's doing, what does it really do? It puts electric waves in operation, Annie. Or I hope it does. And those waves should interfere with normal wireless communication on the Pacific and on its shores, so that sooner or later someone in some wireless station is going to begin to wonder where these strange sounds we're making on the air are coming from. Shucks, what sound? They don't sound like much to us, Joe, but on a receiving set... Wait a minute. Okay, go ahead, bud. On a receiving set, they'll make quite a commotion. It should make, the waves we're sending out from here, a loud whining sound. Rather like like the wind howling around a roof on a blustery night. Only anyone who hears them will know they're not static. Why? Because they come regularly. Don't you see? That's the reason we've been sending out our calls 15 seconds apart. Regular. For the last three days now, we've been working this set of ours for 15 minutes every hour. And if we have a strong enough generator here, and our waves really are getting out into the ether, by this time, some ship in the Pacific... Or perhaps some powerful land station has heard them, coming at regular intervals. And if they have, you can bet they're wondering about them. Say, do you suppose this homemade transmission radio set of Annie's on her unknown island really is getting results? They have no way of telling, but Wilcox isn't too confident of it. 
though he did the best work he could, and each hour our friends sent out their frantic signals. But now we're going thousands of miles away, across the great Pacific, to the port of Valparaiso on the coast of Chile in South America. Last time we were there, we met Daddy Warbucks with his friends, Bill Darch and Captain Taffrail, on the Falcon. Mr. Warbucks was just about ready to give up the search for his Annie, but he asked his friends to grant him one more week. The week was up today, but just as the Falcon was about to weigh anchor, a representative of the government of Chile, and Mr. Warbucks has been working with all governments of South America in his frantic search for Annie, came to the yacht with a story of mysterious radio signals, which the big government station at Valparaiso had been receiving. And here now, in an automobile, driving swiftly to the big radio station, is Mr. Warbucks, Darch, and Captain Taffrail with the messenger. And listen, Mr. Warbucks is talking. Didn't I tell you, fellas? Didn't I tell you? Now, Oliver, take it easy, old man. Take it easy. Listen, if there's a ray of hope, a single ray... Now, don't get your heart set on this, old-timer. Just because this radio station here in Chile has been getting queer calls, you... Queer? I'll say they're queer. From what Senor Gomez here says, why, it might be my Annie sending out these calls. It might be Easy, the... Oliver. By the sea, we stayed here with you for a week. Yes, a week. And what do we get? Our first leading clue. But don't get your hopes up too high. Senor Gomez here merely came si, to us... Si, Senor. An orders from Senor Carranza, head of the radio bureau of Chile. See, si. Queer signals he has received by air. And acting on orders from El Presidente... My request... I was sent to summon you. See? And here we are. Senors, the great radio station of my country. Well, come on. We're with you, Oliver. But please don't hope for too much. Okay, Bill. I've got a hold of myself. Let's go inside. Uh, this way, senors. Ah, senor Carranza. Gomez. I have brought them, senor, according to order. See, uh, Which one of you senors is senor Warbucks? I am. Uh, very well. Senor, I was ordered by El Presidente to report to you, senor. Right. Well, what is it? I am not sure, senor, nor do I know the whys and wherefores of my orders. Nevertheless, I was ordered to report to you that we, in our radio station here, have been receiving strange signals. Signals, senor? Uh, not uh, signals, exactly. But our communication with shore stations and with ships at sea has been interfered with by strange waves and sounds, which in all my experience I have never met with here before. Annie! Now, just a second, Oliver. I don't want to throw cold water on anything, but just because... Annie! Easy, Oliver. By the sea, this doesn't mean... Gentlemen, I have my own ideas regarding this. I'm not a stubborn man, but I can't help but feel in my heart that... Senor Carranza... Uh, si, senor. Can we hear these signals that you picked up? Oh, si, senor. But they amount to nothing. Merely an interference with our normal communication. I told you so, Oliver. Just the same, let's hear them. Very easy, mes amigos. For 15 minutes of each hour for the past three days, we have heard the sound. It is the time now. Uh, one. Uh, si, senor. Uh, put power on. We wish to hear these sounds which come to us from somewhere every 15 seconds. See. Si. Now, but listen now, mes amigos. Any second and you... There it is, my friends. Great guns! You mean you've heard this for three days now? Si, senor. Every hour. For 15 minutes at 15 second intervals. In a moment you will hear it again, senor. No you idea know. where it comes from? No, senor. This is new to us. Ever since I have been in charge of this station, never have I seen... Great guns! Then it must be... Oliver, I... Know. Now, Bill, I'm sure of it in my heart. I may be an old fool, 
But I believe this signal is coming from Annie. Maybe I'm not being strictly reasonable in this. That sound might be caused by any one of a thousand different things. But I believe it's coming from Annie. And now, I won't quit in my job here until I find out if it is coming from her. Say, did you hear that? Any signals are coming through. But will Daddy Warbucks ever be able to follow up that weird, helpless signal, which can give him no directions as to where he can find Annie's lost island? And now, tonight's club night. So all you members of Annie's Secret Society, attention please for an important secret message in Annie's Mystery Radio Code. Get your pencils ready, and here's the special code key for tonight. It's number 17. Have you got that? Number 17 is the special code key for tonight's secret message. And now, here's the message itself. First word, 2, 13, 22, 14, 9, 13. Second word, 24, 19, 13, 13, 15, 13. Third word. Five, fifteen, fourteen, twenty-five, twenty-five, one, twenty-five, four. Fourth word, fourteen, twenty-five, ten, nineteen, twelve, thirteen, Nine. And now the fifth and last word. Nine. Fourteen. One. Eleven. That's all, and that was another important secret message in Annie's Mystery Radio Code. So all you club members, set your telematic decoder pins for the number 17 code as I told you, and you'll have the whole thing figured out automatically, quick as a wink. And say, if you're missing out on the fun of decoding these secret messages for Manny, don't forget, you can still join her secret society free if you try new chocolate-flavored Ovaltine. Now, all you do is print your name and address plainly on a piece of paper. Then, mail it in together with all of the special gold-colored seal that you can find only underneath the lid of a can of new chocolate-flavored Ovaltine. Mail it to Little Orphan Annie, Chicago, Illinois. So ask your mother to get you a new chocolate-flavored Ovaltine so you can send in the gold-colored seal for your membership right away. And then Annie will send you her official telematic decoder pin and the big book of club secrets just as fast as she can. And everybody wants to be here right on time tomorrow to see if Daddy can find some way of tracing Annie now that he's heard their feeble radio signals. Until tomorrow, then, goodbye. kiddies of any age sit back in your chair it's time for dick tracy dick gets the ring of osiris 1938 calling all adventure fans calling all dick tracy fans stand by dick tracy is on the air
Once again, the makers of Quaker Puffed Wheat and Quaker Puffed Rice, those two nourishing, delicious cereals that are shot from guns, bring you another thrilling Dick Tracy adventure. Hear those big guns? They're making puffed wheat and puffed rice, those two delicious cereals that are shot from guns right in the Quaker plant to give you nourishing wheat and rice in their most digestible form. The wholesome, sun-ripened grains are actually exploded to eight times their normal size, and that makes them especially easy to digest, so thousands of boys and girls and grown-ups the country over can get the trigger-fast food energy they need to be as alert and strong as Dick Tracy is, quickly and easily. And you get it in two swell breakfasts that taste even better than they look, and boy, they look good. Mother and Dad enjoy puffed wheat and puffed rice, too, because they're so different from ordinary cereals. The plump, crisp, nut-like grains of goodness fairly melt in your mouth. So join that great, happy family of thousands of puffed wheat and puffed rice fans. Ask Mother to get you some Quaker puffed wheat or Quaker puffed rice from the grocer. In our last episode, we learned how Dryden Small, the Egyptologist whom Dick Tracy had been trying to protect, was seriously wounded by Humi Batik, the man with the yellow face. Batik claimed that Small had stolen from the cult of Osiris a black pearl said to be the heart of the god of Osiris. Tracy, who had been shot in the leg while Batik was escaping, is trying to solve two problems. Where is Humi Batik and where is the black pearl of Osiris? As we continue our story, we find ourselves at the pier where the SS Marvania has just docked. Tracy, Pat, and Junior have been watching the passengers disembark, trying to find Humi Batik, when suddenly... Well, I've got to hand it to you, Tracy. I would never have suspected that Humi Batik might be hiding in that mummy case. It would never have occurred to me. Well, we're not sure he's in there yet. He may not be, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something to that. All right, boys, pry up that lid. Draw your gun, Pat, and stand ready. You may need us. Right. Well, we were wrong. The man with the yellow face isn't here. That's a mummy, all right, Dick. Yes, yes, so it is. Stand back, Junior. Just to be sure, Pat, I think... I think I'll put a bullet in it. No, no, Tracy. In the name of those tears, I command you, stop. Dick, he's not a mummy after all. It's Batik, the man with the yellow face. I recognize his voice. Yes, yes, and so do I. I rather suspected he'd be there. Unwind that sheet, boys. Come on, boys, come on. Hurry it up. Hurry it up. Come on, come on inside there. Take the wrappings off his feet. Yeah, they're off now, Mr. Tracy. Thanks. Well, Batik, have you anything to say? What can I say, Mr. Tracy? You, you have captured me. I bow to you, sir. You had your duty to do as you saw it, Batik, and I had mine. If I was to be caught, I'm glad it was by you, Mr. Tracy. At least you understand and respect my purpose. One thing only do I regret... I did not find the black pearl of Osiris before you caught me. Take him to the tombs, Pat. Where are you going? Down to headquarters at once to see Dr. Goldman and get this bullet probed out of my leg. It's beginning to hurt pretty badly. Well, that hurts, I know, Tracy, but I'll have it in a few moments. Go ahead, Dr. Goldman. I can stand it. Gosh, Dick, does it hurt that bad? You sure can take it. Well, it could take almost anything, Junior, if you make up your mind to it. One moment now, Tracy. I believe I've got the bullet. Ah, uh, there, there it is. Peculiar-looking thing. Smallest bullet I've ever seen. Yes, I've never seen one quite like it. Cooper, the ballistics expert, would be very much interested in this bullet. I'm very much interested myself. The ballistics department is right across the hall. Why don't you call Cooper in? I'd, I'd like him to take this bullet and examine it for markings. All right. 
Here, I'll put this temporary dressing on. Be back in a moment. That bullet came from Dryden Small's gun, didn't it, Dick? Yes, Junior. Peculiar little gun. Say, Dick, have you got any idea where the black pearl of Osiris can be? Not the slightest, Junior. But I've got to find it. You don't feel towards this batik fellow the way you do towards, well, towards criminals, do you, Dick? Well, he's wounded a man and must pay for it, Junior. He's a criminal, yes. But he, too, has certain rights. And I must do all in my power to recover for him and his people that which has been stolen from them. That black pearl is theirs. It's part of their religion. And I'm going to see that they get it back. Well, Tracy, I hear the dark has relieved you of a piece of lead. Didn't know you were going in for collecting them on your person. <laughs> uh, Cooper, come on in. Right. Yes, here it is. What do you think of it? Yeah. Queerest looking bullet I've ever seen. Like to add it to my collection, if you don't mind, Tracy. Not at all, Cooper. But I'd like to have a report on it first, if you don't mind. Sure thing. I'll analyze it this afternoon and give you my detailed findings by this evening. Thanks a lot, Cooper. Well, Doc, if you'll just bandage that leg up, I'll be getting down to the tombs. I want to have a talk with Homie Batik. Batiks and Saddle 4, down this way, Mr. Tracy. Thank you. Come on, Junior. Yeah, right behind you, Dick. Hey, someone here to see you, Batik. I have no wish to see anyone. It's Tracy, Batik. Oh, Tracy, welcome. I am afraid I cannot offer you a great deal in the way of comfort. Oh, that's quite all right. Comfort's a small matter. I do not believe I have met the young man with you. Oh, this is Junior. How do you do? How do you do, sir? I am glad to see, Mr. Tracy, that your leg has not been seriously injured. I I have worried about it. You see, I am not really a criminal. I detest force in any shape, but it was necessary. Well, fortunately, that pearl-handled revolver belonging to Dryden Small was a toy and nothing more. Ah, yes, Small. How is he, Mr. Tracy? I have been worried about even him. He's in the hospital. He's been placed under arrest. Be removed to prison as soon as possible. And what of me, Mr. Tracy? Well, Batik, a board of inquiry is investigating your case now. Much as I understand your motives for what you did, despite the fact you say it was in self-defense, the machine of the law must take its course. I understand perfectly. I do not care what happens to me, so long as I know the Black Pearl of Osiris is safe. Have you... have you found it as yet? Not as yet. But since it was stolen from you, it's my duty to find it and return it if I can. The question is, once I've found the pearl, how can I return it to Egypt? I... I'm afraid you may not be in a position to take it yourself. <laughs> Quite right. Uh, however, there is a representative of the cult of Osiris here in America. He has been to visit me, and he is taking care of matters for me. Once the black pearl is found, he will carry it back to Egypt and to Osiris. I see. You know, Batik, for the life of me... I can't understand why Small stole that black pearl. It isn't valued that highly, in money at least. It has some monetary value, yes. But it has even a greater value to collectors of, uh, shall I say, curiosities? I see. Here in America, there is a group of men who make their living by stealing treasures. Treasures of art and other things, such as the black pearl. These men will stop at nothing to get that black pearl. And by the way... Let me warn you against these treacherous forces if you should find the black pearl. From the moment you get the pearl in your possession, your life will be in danger. If these men are as powerful as you say they are, how did you intend to get the black pearl back to Egypt safely? 
And if I find the pearl, how will your friend hope to get it back safely? You see this ring on my finger, Mr. Tracy? Yes? Gee, that's a strange-looking ring. has a scab on top of it. Yes. This is the luck ring of Osiris. The luck ring? Yes. Wherever I am, whatever trouble I may be in, I have but to rub this ring, and Osiris will do what is best for me. You just rub the ring and you have good luck, huh? Precisely, my young friend. Then you placed complete confidence in this ring. You felt that it would protect the Black Pearl until you reached Egypt. Yes, I have every confidence in it, as should all who own one like it. But it is more than a ring of good luck, Mr. Tracy. Look. Gee, the top comes off. There's a secret compartment in the ring, huh? Ah, yes, a secret compartment made to fit the Black Pearl. I intended to put the pearl in there, seal the ring, and carry it back with me to Egypt in that manner. Hmm. Well, that would have been a very clever hiding place. Few people would suspect that that fascinating ring contained a secret compartment. Well, I'd like to have a ring like that. I could carry secret messages in it and everything. After you find the pearl, you will have to keep it with you a few days. A friend of mine will come to you for it. And so, here is my ring. Take it. Keep it with you always. I... I can only say thank you, Batik. I will continue the search for the Black Pearl. I have a feeling I'm going to find it. And it's my hope that in a short time you'll be able to return once again to your own country, to Egypt, and to Osiris. That is most kind of you, Mr. Tracy. Excuse me, Mr. Tracy. Yes? There's a phone call for you, sir. Oh, I'll be right there. Well, Batik, I'll see you again soon. And thank you for the Ring of Osiris. Remember the secret compartment. Remember also that wherever you are, whatever trouble you are in, you have a great friend in Osiris. A great friend worthy of great faith and capable of bringing you good luck at all times. Thanks again. Coming, Junior? Yeah, sure. Gee, that sure is a swell ring. Uh, this phone? Uh, yes, Mr. Tracy. Thanks. Hello? Hello, Tracy. Oh, hello, Cooper. What is it? Uh, Tracy, come down here to the Ballistics Bureau as fast as you can. But what is it? What's happened? Tracy, that bullet they took out of your leg is the most amazing bullet I've ever seen, in more ways than one. Uh, I can't talk on the phone, but for heaven's sake, get down here as fast as you can. What is Cooper of the Ballistics Bureau so excited about? Why does he want Dick Tracy to come down as fast as he can? Strange adventures await the great detective and his friends. But now it's time for the Dick Tracy Secret Service Patrol meeting. And the makers of Quaker Puffed Wheat and Quaker Puffed Rice, those specially delicious, nourishing cereals, invite you to attend. Here's Dick Tracy, Jr., your patrol president now. The meeting will now come to order. Say, wasn't that some ring that Homie Batik gave to Dick? Boy, it has lots of lucky symbols on it. And you should see the secret compartment in it. Dick will be always able to use that ring, won't he? You bet. He can carry secret messages in the hidden compartment. Well, I wish I had a ring like that. Well, let's get then down to business now, Junior. All right. You know, I almost forgot I'm so excited about that ring. But today, Dick Tracy sends his congratulations to all the patrol members who were promoted to the rank of sergeant this week. You know, Dick wants every boy and girl in the patrol to win promotion to the rank of sergeant. So if you haven't started to yet, look in your secret code book and see how you can be appointed a sergeant so you can wear the big special sergeant's badge, too. 
But let's not forget, Junior, that Dick Tracy wants every real red-blooded American boy and girl to join the Dick Tracy Secret Service Patrol first. So if you aren't a member now, join right away and show Dick Tracy that you're with him and for him. It's so easy. You just tear off the tops of two packages of Quaker puffed wheat or Quaker puffed rice or one of each. And then put them in an envelope with your name and address printed on a plain piece of paper and mail them to Dick Tracy, Box L, Chicago. Then you're a full-fledged member of the Dick Tracy Secret Service Patrol. And you get your secret code book, your patrol pledge, and your member's badge. All free. So send your two Quaker puffed wheat or Quaker puffed rice box tops to Dick Tracy... Box L, Chicago, fellas and girls. And remember, send the top of the package that says, Three Wrappings Guard It's Christmas. There's probably a package or two of Quaker puffed wheat or Quaker puffed rice in the pantry right now. Look to see. But if there isn't, Mother will be glad to get some Quaker puffed wheat or Quaker puffed rice at the grocer's, so ask her to get you some. Tell Mother how Quaker puffed wheat and Quaker puffed rice are shot from guns to make them especially easy to digest so that you get their trigger-fast food energy more quickly and easily. Ask her to get some for you. Calling all adventure fans, calling all Dick Tracy fans. Stand by for another exciting Dick Tracy adventure tomorrow at the same time. That is all. From police sirens to fire sirens. It's Firefighters and the Man Who Confessed to Starting Fires. Five bells. Stand by all stations. Attention, all districts. A five-alarm fire. Five bells. Move in immediately. That's it. Let's roll. Let's go. Firefighters! Presenting Firefighters, the true-to-life story of our unsung heroes who stand ready to ride by day or night against our most murderous enemy, the demon of fire! In just a minute, we'll join Chief Cody and Tim Collins, rookie fireman, at the scene of the great tenement fire, where the ruins of the building, now smoldering in the dim light of early dawn, lie collapsed in the street, as the hosemen from the engine companies drench the charred timbers with streams of water. Chief Cody hunts Joe Ferguson, suspected as the arsonist who caused this desolation. But before we join the manhunt, here's a message. Let's go, firefighters. Let's go to the scene of the tenement fire, where you remember Tim Collins and Fire Chief Cody are about to start searching for missing Joe Ferguson, the man who was suspected of having set fire to the tenement in the dead of night. And just a moment ago, a short distance away, 
Private Murphy of Hook and Ladder Company 3 Ones heard a familiar voice raised an argument with the police officer. So what, officer? Them two suitcases belongs to me. Well, what do you know? If it ain't my pal Joe Ferguson and Officer Martin has them by the color. Listen, it's cold. It's late. It's almost morning. You're supposed to be here to watch that fire line. Now go on and watch it. Lay off people that lost everything they own in the fire. Well, now, Mr. Ferguson, that sure is tough. Huh? Hey, you was there, fireman. You saw how everything I owned got all burned up in that fire. Creepers, I almost even lost my wife. Yeah, you lost everything you owned except those two suitcases you had stacked here across the street behind the signboard. Come on, Ferguson, you better come along with me. Chief Cody wants to talk to you. Collins, how is Mrs. Ferguson coming along? Well, first aid wants to take her to the hospital, Chief Cody. She's had a bad shock, but... Well, they don't think they'd better move her yet. She's hurt? No, sir. Just minor burns from flame that reached out through the windows when we sent her down the lifeline from the top floor of that tenement. Then why don't they take her to the hospital? Well, she refuses to go, sir, until her husband turns up. Poor soul. He's a bad actor, that husband of hers. Now stand by the first aid station, Collins. Let me know as soon as Murphy finds Ferguson. If he does. Yes, sir. I'm going to order the second and third call companies back to their stations. Second and third call companies. Second and third call officers, attention. Pick up and pull out. Second and third call companies, return to your station. First call company, begin to overhaul. Who's that? It's me, Chief. It's Murphy. Well, what luck? Did you find? Come on, you. Step out of those shadows. Quit shopping, will you? All right, get up there where the chief can see you. Oh, Ferguson. Nice work, Murphy. I'll remember this. So will I. Don't you forget it. Quiet, you. Murphy, I'll take charge of this man. Yes, sir. Report to your company commander. Yes, sir. Tell him three ones company is to rope off this street at both ends of the block. I'll keep everybody out until the arson squad is through with the wreckage. Yes, sir. Lieutenant Kennedy. Yes. You, Ferguson, stand by there till I'm ready for you. Or I'll lay you out flatter than that tenement. You hear me? You can't do this to me. I'm a citizen. I'm a taxpayer. Oh. I... Searchlight company. Give the overhaul companies more light. Engine 209. Drop a line into that cellar. Now pump out that cellar. All right, Ferguson. I'm ready for you now. Listen, I get a train to catch. My wife, she's waiting at the station for me right now. Uh, she ought to be. Oh, she is? Look, Chief, I told you. I told you hours ago. She and me were leaving town. That's why I was up in the middle of the night getting packed to move. And then I smelled the smoke and I run out and pulled the alarm and saved everybody's life. Reapers. Some folks would call me a, a, a hero. Ferguson, I'm not going to waste time on you. Look at the case we have. A hot case you got against me. That fire was set. We know a full bottle of kerosene was stolen from the second floor tenement and used to start a dozen fires throughout the cellar and in the air shaft. We find you fully dressed in the middle of the night, lurking in the crowd, watching the fire. I told you 20 times it was me pulling along. Quiet. What's more, you had an insurance policy in your pocket. A policy covering your furniture that got burned up. And my friend, those details add up to arson in any court. Yeah? Would I run out and leave my own wife to burn to death? Well, that's where you miscalculated, Ferguson. You expected her to wake up in time to escape when we cleared the others out of the building. Yeah. The one sign of human feeling you showed tonight was when you thought your wife was doomed. Well, media's a good kid. Most times she does just what I tell her. Now, listen, 
I told her she should be at the station. We got to get that early train. Now, look, Chief, don't, don't make me keep her waiting. You're right, Ferguson. She's been waiting long enough. Come on with me. Huh? I can go now? You cannot. Come over here to the first aid station and bring those two suitcases with you. Collins. Huh? You calling me, Murphy? Wake up, kid. You want to fall off the truck? Oh, hang on yourself. <sighs> What's the idea riding along with your eyes closed? Oh, man, if we got a call right now to a five-alarm fire, you know what I'd do? Oh, lie down right in the middle of it and go to sleep. You said it. Ah, what a night. There's one good thing. It's almost eight o'clock. All right. First platoon is coming on duty. It's up to them to clean up the truck and put her back in service. Well, here we are, Hooksy. Home again. Uh, swing off the truck there so his Pete can back her in. Yeah. All clear, Pete. Back her in. First, first platoon, turn out. Break out that polish. You've got housework to do. <laughs> Look at their faces, Murphy. Come on, you housemaids. <laughs> we want all three ones all shined up when we get back tonight. Oh, hey, hey Hooksy, how about some breakfast? Uh-uh, uh-uh. I'm going home for a break. Uh, oh. Yeah, I'm going home and pound a hole in my pillow until report time tonight. Fire Department Headquarters, Chief Cody speaking. The Daily Press? Oh, hello, Murchison. Well, this fellow Ferguson made a full confession. Yes, like most of these arsonists, he must have a screw loose somewhere. Yeah, married to a fine woman like that wife of his, and yet he dreams up a crazy plan that might have destroyed a dozen whole families, as well as that tenement they lived in. Yeah, Yeah, all for the sake of a few dollars insurance money. Oh, yes, yes, of course. I want young Collins to get full credit. It was a mighty fine job he did, mighty fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Son of Ben Collins. You know, Ben was chief of the department for years. Mm-hmm. Write it up any way you like. Count on me for cooperation any time, Murchison. Any time at all. All right, goodbye. Well, I guess my report is complete. Rover! Where in blazes is that clerk of mine gone? Come in. Just when I want him. Well, who's this? The whole Collins family? Oh, no, Chief Cody. Only me. Well, you're welcome as the flowers in spring. Where's Jimmy? Where's your brother, Judy? Oh, they only sent me, Chief Cody. <laughs> Jimmy was mad, but they said one was enough. <laughs> I said I was sure you'd do it if I asked you. Do what, Judy? Anything I can do for an old friend, just say the word. Chief Cody, sir. I am not here as an old friend. I am here as a... What? We're not friends anymore, Trudy? Well, Well, now, that's bad news. What have I done? Oh, no, Chief. We're still friends, but... But, well, they sent me, don't you see? They? Who's they? All the kids at Northside School. So I'm not a friend, Chief Cody. I'm a a delegation. Oh, oh, I see. Yes, yes. A delegation to ask for what? For you to come to Northside School to be our fire prevention speaker tomorrow. It's 11 o'clock sharp. I mean, assembly is. So will you please say yes? Now, now, don't get the old man all mixed up. You say the boys and girls at Northside School want a speaker for assembly. 
uh, speaker from the fire department? Yes, sir. So they sent me on account of knowing you so well. Trudy, I wish I could, but tomorrow at 11, I'll be meeting with the fire prevention committee of the Commerce Club. Oh, Chief Cody. Oh, dear. Now what will I do? Well, no, no, no. Don't give up. I'll get your speaker. Oh, but, but I promised it would be you. Hello. Hello, switchboard. Get me Private Timothy Collins. <laughs> That's right, Tim Collins. Yes, I have a special duty for him tomorrow at Northside School. Oh, you're going to send Tim. Oh, next to you, Chief Cody. I'd rather have Tim best of all. Uh, hello. Oh, hello, Mrs. Collins. This is Chief Cody. Yes, I'd like to speak to Private <laughs> Collins, if you please. It's very important. Well, what do you suppose Tim Collins, rookie fireman, is going to think when he hears of this special duty at Northside School? Tim is a firefighter, one of the best. And maybe he'll think things will be pretty quiet up at the school Trudy and Jimmy attend. But where Tim Collins goes, action follows. So don't miss the excitement at the big modern school building in our next True to Life episode of The Firefighters. In just a minute, Chief Bob Cody will tell you boys and girls how you can help the firefighters in your own hometown. But before you meet Chief Cody... Here's something else you want to hear. And now, Chief Bob Cody with a special assignment for all young firefighters. Chief Cody. Hello, boys and girls. This is Chief Cody with your special assignment. Attention, firefighters. You are to make a checklist of methods of fire prevention that have come to your attention. You know most of the common fire hazards can be found in your home and school. Now put together what you know. Jot down a list of steps you can take to make your home and your school safer places for yourself, your friends, and your family. Make that list and keep it handy for constant reference. That is all. Goodbye for now. You'll be hearing from me soon. Fire Chief Cody and the young rookie fireman Tim Collins will be back on the same station the next time you hear... That's it. Let's roll! Let's go! Firefighters! And we'll wrap up this week's podcast with an episode of Gasoline Alley, Stung by a Stork, program from 1948. Your auto light dealer presents your favorite friends from Gasoline Alley. Hold it, Wilmer. Hold it till I get this phone. Okay, Skazak. Wallet and Bobble Garage. Skazak's wallet speaking. What's that? Well, yes, sir. We can fix it. We can fix anything on four wheels. Sure, we'll be waiting for you right here in Gasoline Alley. Yes, it's Gasoline Alley, the comic strip that's a favorite in more than a hundred great newspapers. In this episode, The Adventure of the Musician's Ignition, the very slippery Mr. Chiggers comes in with a very strange request that his auto lights be wired for sound. First, a word from the friendly Autolite dealer in your own hometown.
Gasoline Alley. A new construction firm, the Cutler Company, has just moved to town, and, of course, all the garages are trying to get the Cutler repair work. Well, this morning, Wilmer has not yet shown up for work, and Skeezix has just entered the garage office when... Wallet and Bobble Garage, Skeezix Wallet speaking. Good morning. Mr. Wallet, this is Mr. Cutler of the Cutler Construction Company. Oh, yes, Mr. Cutler. We wrote you a letter about doing your repair work. So did all the other garages. Well, we think we do good work, Mr. Cutler. Yes, and... I've heard that you and your partner do the best ignition work in town. Oh, thanks. Then can well, we... Well, I'm seeing several people, Mr. Wallet. If you'll be available, I'll come by at three this afternoon. Oh, we'll be here, Mr. Cutler. Very well, I'll let you know then whether you get the job. Bye. Thank you, Mr. Cutler. Goodbye. Hello, Skeezix. Wilmer, that was Mr. Cutler on the phone. Oh, I heard. Boy, am I mad. Well, he may give us his work. He's coming by at three. Well, you better talk to him, Skeezix. I'm so mad I could chew a horse show and spit nails. Wilmer, what's wrong? That's that old maid voice teacher lives next door. Wilmer, have you been fighting with Miss Arbutus Fay again? You're darn right I have. Last night she kept me up till all hours with one of her pupils. A wounded baritone. What do you mean, a wounded baritone? From the way he sings, she must have been torturing him. It's Adora, don't spit on the floor. Oh, Wilmer, when will you learn that you can't get anywhere by fighting with people? Well, what would you have me do? Tell Miss Arbutus I love to hear her torture that baritone? Yes, I would. Are you out of your mind, Skeezer? I mean it. If you just smile at people and say nice things to them, you'll get much further than you will by fighting. Now, wait a minute. Are you serious? Well, of course I'm serious. Look, Wilmer, why don't you try it just for one day? Come on, what do you say? You mean, you may smile or say nice things no matter who it is? That's right. Come on, promise me you'll try it. All right, Skeezix, if you say so. Good, you'll see it works. Oh, we've got a customer. That's no customer. That's that crook chigger, that low Remember, down. Wilmer, smile. Say nice things. What? Oh, okay, but this is gonna hurt. Hello, chiggers, old friend. You're looking good today. Huh? I say you look fine. Wonderful. I hope you're well. You hope I'm well? Excuse me. Does Wilmer feel all right? Well, of course he does, chiggers. Then something's mighty funny. Me and Wilmer always start scrapping the minute we see each other. Well, not now. Today, Chiggers, old friend. Well, what can we do for you, pal? Whatever it is, we'll be glad to do it. Well, well, this is even better than I hoped for. Just tell us what we can do for you, friend Chiggers. <laughs> well, Wilmer, since you put it that way, I, uh, I believe you and Skeezix are the best ignition men in town. Wow. And, your system does work at that. Uh, yes, Chiggers. And uh, I wonder if you can fix my lights so that when I turn them on, the horn will blow. Well, Chiggers, that's crazy. We wouldn't do a thing like that to a car, and if, if you're up to one of your low tricks... Basics, wait a minute. Smile, say nice things, remember. But, Wilmer, you know Chiggers. He's got something up his sleeve. Why should he want of us Of course, to... if you fellas don't know how to do it, I know somebody who can. Well, we'll be glad to do it for you, friend Chiggers. Just a few wiring adjustments. We can do it in no time. Come on, Skeezix. Yes, I got myself into this. Well, here comes Miss Arbutus Fay. Yeah, yeah. That scrawny old maid music teacher. Yeah. Looks like her uh, radiator's about to blow up. <laughs> Good morning, Miss Arbutus. My, but you're looking lovely today. Just lovely. I want you to know I wouldn't have come in here, Wilmer Bobble, if I hadn't been afraid my car would burn up in... 
What did you just say? Oh, I said I've never seen you look so lovely. My, you brightened the whole day for me. Are you talking about me, Wilmer? After fighting with me about my boy's student? Me fight with you, Miss Arbutus? Why, that baritone over your house last night, he's got the best voice I ever heard, bar none. Yes, yes, yes. That's my new pupil, Archibald. He's so handsome. I mean, talented. He's just lucky to have such a good teacher, Miss Arbutus. Not only good, but good-looking. Why, Wilmer, well, maybe you're not as bad as I thought. Now, if you can fix my car... Well, we're doing a job for Chiggers right now, fixing his car so his horn blows when he turns on the lights. My, that, that's very strange, isn't it? The customer is always right in this garage. Friend Chiggers wants it that way. Uh, but if um, if you'll leave your car here, we'll gladly work on it. <laughs> we don't get many Glamour Girl customers, you know. Why, Wilma, you're sweet. I'll come back this afternoon. Goodbye, Wilma. Well... You have changed, Wilmer. Glamour girl, all the soft soap. Okay, I've switched your wiring, Tiggers. Turn on your lights and let's see if the horn blows. Okay, excuse it. Yes, yes, that was just what I wanted. <laughs> well, now I'm off to show Mr. Cutler the kind of work you boys do. What do you mean by that, Tiggers? <laughs> Friend of mine owns a garage. I get a rake off if he gets Mr. Cutler's repair work. <laughs> Looks like this job shows it up for me, all right. We're going to get Cutler's repair work, Chiggers. Not when Mr. Cutler sees the job you did on his car. Chiggers, you mean this is Mr. Cutler's car? Correct, friend Wilmer. And you won't get Mr. Cutler's work. No sorry. Not when I show him how you mix things up so the horn blows when you turn on the lights. <laughs> well, so long, Wilmer, my smiling friend. <laughs> Gasoline Alley and the adventure of the musician's ignition. Because Wilmer decided to try smiles and kind words, he has become friends with the boys' teacher who lives next door. But this same friendly spirit allowed the boys to be tricked by their arch enemy, Chiggers. And at the moment, Wilmer's saying, Why did I ever listen to you, Skeezix? Smiles and kind words pay big dividends, you tell me. And so when I tried, what happened? Oh, I know, Wilmer. Well, it's three o'clock. I suppose Mr. Cutler won't even come to see us. Well, why should he after the way Chiggers tricked us into fixing his lights or a horn blows? Just the same, Wilmer. We were honest and we were courteous. And we lost a custom. Well, I still think we were right. Wait a minute. Here comes Mr. Cutler now. And he's got that Chiggers with him. Maybe he'll give us his work after all. I funny. Just stopping a race came for what we did. It was lights. Oh, that Chiggers. Hello, Skeezix, and, uh, <laughs> friend Wilmer. Chiggers, you low rat, you There, know. Mr. Cutler, just as I told you. I ought to mop up the floor with you, you crook. They not only do bad work, they insult the customers, you see? Yes, I see. Uh, look, Mr. Cutler, I can explain... I'm sorry, Mr. Wilmer, but after the bungling job you did on my car, I'm afraid I... But that I... crook Chiggers asked us to fix the lights on that way. He said it was his car. You see, Mr. Cutler, I told you they'd give you a cock and bull story like that. Now, didn't I? Yes, you did, no, Mr. Wallet, I'm afraid I can't give you my repair work. But Wilmer's telling the truth, Mr. Cutler. Look, ask anybody in town about our reputation. I did that. I was told you were the best ignition men in town. 
But after all, you fixed my car so the horn blows when the lights are turned on. What am I to think? That's right, we did, but that rat there said to us... Please, Chiggers told us to do it. He wanted it that way. Oh, really? Really? My car, really? Uh, uh, yeah, Miss Arbutus, it's ready. Wait a minute. Mr. Cutler, Miss Arbutus is a witness. Huh? Miss Arbutus, this is Mr. Cutler. Oh, I'm acquainted with Mr. Cutler, excuse me. Uh, yeah. Ask Miss Arbutus, Mr. Cutler. She can tell you Chiggers asked us to fix your car like it is. Oh, Mr. Cutler, this is too much. What's too much, Trigger? These fellas thinking you're fool enough to take the word of a scrawny old maid voice teacher. Wait. What did you call her, Trigger? A scrawny old maid voice teacher. Goes around screeching and top of her lungs like a hoot owl. I and, see. And you can't believe a word she says. <laughs> Mr. Cutler, you hit me. Yes, I did, you cook. Oh, oh, Mr. Cutler, you... And here's another one, you rat. Who oh, stop it. Help, fellas. He's killing me. Help, get me out of here. Help. Well, I don't get it, but I'm for it. Oh, you're so strong and handsome, Archibald. <laughs> it was nothing, my dear Arbutus. <laughs> nothing. Archibald? Tori adore. Is he? Well, ma'am, this is Archibald Cutler, the baritone whose voice you love so much. But I've got bad news for you, Wilma. You, uh, uh, you have? Yes, I have. Just when you and I have become such good friends and neighbors, I'm moving away. You see, at lunch today, Archibald asked me to marry him. Well, gee, that's great. Congratulations. But, but, but Mr. Cutler's singing. I mean... Uh, I'm... Wilma means he's going to miss hearing your wonderful baritone voice, dear Archibald. But he won't have to, Mrs. Arbutus. I'll see to that. Yeah, he'll see to that. Uh, you will? Oh, you're so sweet, Archibald. What do you mean, Mr. Cutler? Well, after all, if you and Skeezix are going to be doing my repair work, I'll have to keep you happy, Wilmer. <laughs> Come into this office with me, and I'll sing you a few of my best numbers. Oh, no. Your Gasoline Alley friends will be back in just a moment. Now a word from your own Autolite dealer. Now a word about the next adventure in Gasoline Alley. Here's Skeezy. Wilmer, what's the matter? You look like you've just seen a ghost. What happened? What happened? Skeez, it's the garage, the garage. Well, what's the matter with it? What is in the matter with it? Chintz curtains in the windows, pink walls. I didn't even recognize the grease rack. It's been redecorated. The place smells like a beauty parlor. Oh, didn't you know, Wilmer? Jessica and Nina decided to take over the place and clean it up. They say the floor's so clean you could eat off it now. Whoever ate off a garage floor? Our wives have ruined us, ruined us, do you hear? That's it for this week. We'll be back next week with more old time radio. I hope you can join us then. Till then, this is Jim Dolan thanking you for listening. (laughs) 